Welcome, and those watching online, special welcome to you as well. And uh, one more special welcome to my father-in-law. He turned uh, 84 years old today, and so uh, happy birthday to him. Happy birthday, Kenny. So uh, what would Christmas Eve service be without a little humor? Okay, so here we go. What do you call a greedy elf? Elfish. Okay. I said a little humor, okay. <laughs> what do Santa's little helpers like to eat on a cold day at the North Pole? Alphabet soup. They don't get any better, okay. <laughs> How much did Santa's sleigh cost? Nothing. It was on the house. How does a snowman get to work? He rides an icicle. What did Adam say on the day before Christmas? It's Christmas, Eve. (laughs) That was my favorite. One more. Did you hear about the little boy that wanted to make sure all of his bases were covered when it comes to getting what he wanted for Christmas? So he approached his dad with three pieces of paper. He held up the first paper. He says, Dad, this is a a, a list, a letter I want you to send to Santa Claus. Held up the second piece of paper in front of his dad and says, Dad, would you please email this list to God? But then the third piece of paper, he had remained clutched in the little guy's hand and his instructions were clear. And with this list, please, Dad, I want to talk to Grandma direct. You know, new things in time can become old things. It's been said that familiarity breeds contempt. And more often, maybe it just breeds indifference. The more we become familiar with something, the less we may appreciate it. We lose our sense of awe or wonder or fascination. And I hope that doesn't happen uh, when we come to the beloved story of the birth of our Lord. Yes, it's an old story, but truly it is the greatest story ever told. And we can get caught up in the busyness of the season and forget the wonder of it all. The day deity took on humanity. The day that God became a man. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to read the Christmas story as we do every year to remind us of just how amazing Christ's birth was. Luke chapter 2, I'll read it, verses 1 through 20. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. 
and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen them, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Tell my message this evening is the joy of Christmas. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time tonight. Thank you for just this opportunity to bring you glory, to bring you praise. Thank you for just bringing it to our hearts, Lord, just the remembrance of how great this story is. Lord, we pray that you'd bless our time together. Lord, we do pray if there's anyone that has joined us here in this room or watching online that does not have a personal relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. They're not born again today. Lord, would you especially speak to their hearts uh, this evening that they may know you and love you as so many of us do this evening. So bless our time together, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Someone once said Christmas is for the non-believer to feel for one day what the Christian feels every day. Uh, I like that. It's a good statement. Now I would qualify it by saying that it's not about how we feel, but let's just take that at face value. Christmas is for the non-believer to feel one day what the Christian feels every day. Well, what is Christmas at its best? We know what it is at its worst, but what is it at its best? Well, it's a time of talking about God. I mean, I love it when I go into a grocery store and you got music playing over the, the speaker there and you hear the name of Jesus being played. That's great. Yeah, it's probably followed by I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus, but, but at least you hear, hear that song. Just to hear the name of Jesus spoken or sung during this time of year, to me, that is a wonderful thing. What else uh, does Christmas bring? Well, it's a time that we get together as family and friends. We spend time together. We express that love one for another. Oftentimes, Christmas is a, a time of reconciliation where we lay our hostilities aside and we try to get along. Christmas is a, a time of gift giving. You know, I, I like the idea of gift giving. You know, it, it, it's kind of fun to get someone, to, you know, something that you really, really love and give it to them. You guys know I'm, I'm a big fan of Andy's frozen custard. You know, I use it in just about every, every sermon that I do. But this year I thought my good friend, Pastor Dennis, when he comes out, he, uh, he loves Andy's. And he hits it, I think we go like two to three times a day when he's out. And so, uh, so this year I thought I'm going to do something special. So I got four quarts of Andy's frozen custard packed it in the box and sent it to him. I couldn't wait just to hear from him. I'm thinking, what time is it? Well, it should be here at 9 o'clock. It should be 9.30, 10 o'clock. And I, I go online, I'm trekking. Oh, no, it's, it's a little bit late. Oh, no, it got there by 10 a.m. Oh, man, I, I was just thrilled. And then when they called, I said, I can't believe you did this. I, I mean, I was thrilled. I had to go get some Andy's for myself, but, but even still. <laughs> I like the idea of gift giving. To get someone something and just say, oh, man, I love you, I appreciate you. And you take all these things and it's just a glimpse, really, of what it is to be a Christian. To have a relationship with God. Not to have just one day a year, but to have every day of the year as you, as you follow Him, to be filled with joy. 
Now that joy doesn't come from Christmas. It comes from Christ himself. And we see this found in verses 10 and 11 here, where the angel says, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. You know, there are many emotions we, you know, associate with celebrating Christmas, but there is no more, uh, no emotion so characteristic of Christmas time than that of joy. And notice here, it's not just so-so joy that the angel says, but great joy. So how do we get this great joy? I mean, we sing at this time of year, joy to the world. They, uh, come all ye faithful, joyful and, and triumphant, joyful all ye nations, rise, joy, join the triumph of the skies. We sing about it, but what is this joy? It's actually a very difficult thing to define. Webster defines it this way. It's an emotion evoked by well-being, success or good fortune, a state of happiness or source of, or cause of delight. Not really the best definition for joy, because joy in the Bible is described as having its source from God and not dependent upon earthly circumstances or happenings. We often, what we, we feel is, is joy is in reality what we would call happiness. And happiness is an emotion that we feel when everything is happening, everything seems to be going our, our way, and happiness is dependent upon happenings. And when everything is going my way, man, it is zippity-doo-dah, zippity-day, my, oh, my, what a wonderful day, man. This is awesome. This is great. I got that happy feeling down, down in my heart. Yeah, at Christmas you're happy. To open the gifts and you didn't get what you want. To open the mailbox and you didn't get what you want in that bill. And then you're going, oh, man. Until this happened or that happened. And all of a sudden that happiness is gone. Because your happiness was dependent upon your circumstances but joy, as I said, has its source in God. I want to point just three things out this evening, uh, and we won't go too late, but, but three things to think about. Number one, the condition of joy. Number two, the call for joy. And number three, the cause of joy. First of all, the condition of joy. I read a, a, a particular story about a particular town. They, they had this custom. At Christmas time, everyone gave a present to their trash collector. And some of these trash collectors began to expect the gift, and so they taped cards to the trash cans on their route uh, that said, Season's greetings from your trash collector. Well, one man, though, forgot to respond to his trash collector's greeting card, and the day before Christmas, another note was taped to that garbage can, which read this, Season's greetings from your trash collector. Second notice. His joy was contingent upon getting that gift. But notice verse 10, the condition for joy. It says it begins with the angel saying to the shepherds, do not be afraid. So if you want to have joy this Christmas, the condition is don't have fear. Don't be afraid. That's what the first angel's message was. Why? Well, because fear can cancel out the joy that you have in your life. You know, and, and you know, listen, we are living in fearful times, are we not? And, and, and there was a lot of fear at the time Christ was born as well. History tells us that at the time of our Lord's birth, it was a time of weariness, widespread despair among men and among the nations of the earth. Civilizations of that day has really kind of played themselves out. Matthew Arnold describes the world into which the Lord came this way. On that hard, pagan world... Disgust and secret loathing fell. Deep weariness and sated lust made human life a hell. <laughs> Boy, 
Merry Christmas, have a good day. I mean, horrible, depressing. You know, but times were horrible. And it's no wonder that the human emotion that was at first encountered by the angel that day, that that time was that of fear. Men were afraid during that day. They were afraid of many things. Herod, you know, the great was on the throne. This guy was cruel. He was, he was able to accomplish his wrath on whomever he, the object of his disfavor was. He had personally put to death many people, even those in his own family, because of their antagonism towards his plans. Then you had the Romans and their, you know, their proud legion marching up and down across the face of the earth, holding everything in, in, in just in bondage. Many uh, wars broke out and the economy was uncertain. The people were afraid. I think the most noticeable thing about this story is that we can so easily put ourselves right back into that same place in the times in which we're living in today. No, there is fear. We read, I just read this yesterday, that right now Russia has 265,000 troops amassed at the border of Ukraine and Russia, uh, Ukraine, Ukraine rather, and Russia's state-run TV tells the U.S. that the, they will be, uh, we, the, we will be turned into radioactive ash if we intervene. Threats. Oh, we're going to bring fear, you know. President Biden telling us that he's prepared to, to add troops to Ukraine and in turn threatens Russia with severe costs. Then there's Taiwan, and and China says it's not afraid of a fight with the U.S. And we look around this world, and it can bring us fear. Maybe you have other fears as well, personal fears. The the what-ifs, I like to call them. What if I lose my job? Or what if uh, my husband loses his job? Or what if the economy goes south? What if my health gets out? What if I can't pay off these bills? Listen, the message of Christmas is don't. Don't be afraid, but have great joy. It's an offer to all of us this evening. No matter what your background is, no matter where you live, what your financial status, God wants us to have joy this Christmas and always. I find it interesting that, that the announcement of Christ's birth came first to the shepherds. You need to understand who these shepherds really were. In the social order of the day, they were like below the bottom rung on the ladder. They did the job that no one else would do. They were hardworking men. They would have dirt under their fingernails. They watched over these flocks. Some tradition tells us that they were keeping watch over the sheep that would be used in the sacrifices in the temple. But whatever the case here, they were faithfully executing their duty. But the culture at that time despised the shepherds because they couldn't observe the ceremonial hand washings of the religious leaders. In fact, it was so bad that the only thing lower on the social scale that the shepherds, uh, lower than the shepherds were those with leprosy. And that the testimony of a shepherd was not even permissible in the court of law. And I love this because the Lord first comes to them. Now, I don't know what the parallel would be today. We might read, you know, maybe there was in the same country telemarketers working at their phones at night and suddenly a message came, you know. There's a bunch of attorneys getting ready to file a lawsuit. I don't know, whatever fits the category best. A group of postal workers, you know, delivering their mail at night when suddenly... But my point is simply this. God went to those that were the most despised of society and brought them joy. Brought them joy. Gave the most important message in all of human history. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. So the condition for joy, let go of your fear. Don't be afraid. Why? The reason, of course, is that a Savior has been presented, a deliverer, a rescuer, one who is adequate to free us from any threat and danger in any situation. That's why the shepherds are told not to be afraid. 
doesn't make any difference what Herod did, what the Romans did, what, or, or what clever manipulative minds of men would try to set in motion. There was a deliverer, a savior born among men. A redeemer that had come who would change the situation and use it for his own glory and bring them through whatever they would face. Do not be afraid, they said. No matter what tomorrow brings, what unknowns may come our way, God wants to take away your fears and replace it with joy. Because the presence of Jesus in our lives ought to bring us as Christians the absence of fear and the presence of joy. Then there's number two. The call for joy. The angel says, I brought you glad tidings of great joy. In other words, even if you don't feel like it, rejoice because your world has just changed. There's a lot of reasons that we have to be joyful this season. For starters, it's good for you. It's good for our health. Listen to Proverbs 17.22. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Do you know that, that having the joy of the Lord is one of the most powerful magnets in your life for sharing the gospel? It's a powerful testimony when Christians can rejoice even in the midst of adversity. I think of Paul and Silas in the story of them. They were, they were thrown into prison for preaching the gospel. They were beaten, they were whipped and put into chains and, and stocks with no hope of ever getting out. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 16, verse 15, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. I like that because it says the prisoners were listening. It could be better translated, they were listening with pleasure. You know what it's like when you hear your favorite song on the radio? Oh man, I love this song, crank it up. You know, I, I like this. You look forward to hearing it again. These prisoners, they were listening with pleasure, not because Paul and Silas had great harmonies. I got a part, you know, hey, we're just doing these. No, these prisoners were listening with pleasure because they'd never heard anything quite like this before. Paul and Silas were singing praises to God. Suddenly the earthquake came and it shook the foundations of the building. The walls come down and the jailer Roman knew if the prisoners escaped, it would be death for him. Thought, I might as well get it all over with. So he was ready to take his life. Yet no one escaped, and Paul and Silas immediately told him, Hey, hold on, don't do harm to yourself, we're all still here. And that Roman jailer said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? In other words, I've been watching you guys. You've been beaten, you've been put in prison, and you're singing praise to the Lord. I want what you have. I need it right now. Because they were able to rejoice even when times were hard. It's like a magnet that the Lord has given to us as believers. And non-believers, they have nothing like that. Yeah, again, sure they have moments of happiness, but they come and go. That happiness is completely dependent upon them circumstances. Our joy we experience in Christ can be ours whether, whether we are in good times or bad times. Now that doesn't mean you always walk around with a smile on your face, you know, all day long. That would be kind of phoniness because, again, we're not always going to have happy days. But we do have that joy deep inside, an abiding joy. That brings us to the, the point number three, the cause of joy. Look at verse 11 again. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I want to point out three words in this verse that should bring us all joy this Christmas Eve. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. What is this saying? If you want to have joy, have it for these three reasons. First one, you have a Savior. A Savior. Jesus came to save us from the power and penalty of our sin. Why do we need a Savior? Because we need help. We needed help. 
You know, when you're young, you know, you want to do everything yourself. I don't need help. I'll get this done. I'll do this over here, you know, and I would do that. And, you know, you're young and you're proud and you don't want to ask for help. Today I say, why not? <laughs> I need some help. Hey, come help me over here, you know. In the same way, there are those that say, well, I don't need God's help. You know, I'm a good person. I'm a strong person. Really? Well, let me tell you something. I hate to break this to you on Christmas Eve, but you are a sinful person. All right? And though you may be a good man or a good woman, every one of us have sinned, and one sin is enough to keep us out of heaven. That's why we need a Savior. It's God's gift to you. The gift of eternal life. If you want to have joy, have it for this reason. You have a Savior. Jesus came to to save us from the power and the penalty of sin. Whatever you're going through in life, remember you have a Savior. He's taken your sin. He's put it as far as from the east as from the west. He's putting our sin from us. Second word we see here is that you have first a Savior. Then the second thing, who is Christ? Now what does that mean? Okay, first off, Christ was not the last name of Jesus. Okay, some people don't know that. Well, he was Jesus Christ. No, he was Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the son of Joseph and Mary, but we don't know his last name. Christ was not a name, it's a title. The word Christ means anointed one. He was the anointed one of God. Another way of putting it, he's the Messiah. But the people of Israel, they were not looking uh, for a Messiah as much as they were looking for a warrior. They didn't want a Messiah who would die for their sin. They wanted someone who would overthrow the tyranny of Rome. See, they didn't always understand and appreciate God's gift to them. And sometimes I I think we don't appreciate God's gift to us. You know, nothing is more disappointing, I think, in getting a gift from someone that that you're getting a gift for someone that you think they're really going to like it. And when they open it and you see the look on their face and you know they're not really excited about that gift. But they fake it, right? We've all done it. Oh, man, this is some gift. Man, I mean, this is, this is really, really um, something. Wow, I've never seen anything quite like this. What is it exactly? I, I mean, and you're looking for a di- diplomatic way to say, I really didn't need anything like this, whatever this is. Well, listen, God has given us a gift exactly what we need. Exactly what we need. Maybe not necessarily what we want. Pastor Chuck Swindoll tells the story of a man he knew who claimed to have the most curious kids in the world. And he said that, that no matter what they did, the kids would always find their Christmas gifts before Christmas. So they made a deal with their neighbors. They would give all of their gifts to the neighbors to hold on to, and in turn, uh, they would keep all of their neighbors' presents in, in their closet. Well, naturally, the kids would peek, but the parents acted like they didn't know about it. Then when Christmas Eve came around and all the kids were fast asleep, they would swap the gifts and then wrap them and put them under the tree. He said, you should have seen my kids when they looked out in the street and saw the neighbor kids riding bicycles that they thought they were getting for Christmas. (laughs) Listen, God does not always give us what we want, but always what we need. The people wanted a warrior king. God sent them a humble savior because they needed forgiveness. We need God's forgiveness. But listen, one day very soon, I believe Jesus will come back as the warrior king. You know, when the angel says in verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. The literal translation is that peace among men with whom God is well pleased. Speaking of a future event, because we look around this world today and there is no peace. But folks, it's coming. 
It'll be here quicker than we realize. It'll be here when Christ returns to this earth and establishes His kingdom as King of kings and Lord of lords. That's when we will finally have peace on earth. First time Jesus came, He came veiled in, in the form of a child. Star marked His arrival. Wise men brought Him gifts. There was no room for Him at the end. Only a few attended His arrival. The next time Jesus comes, <laughs> He's going to be seen and recognized by all. Heaven will be lit up by His glory. He'll bring rewards for His own and the world will not be able to contain His glory. So what is the message to the shepherds? What is this message to us? We can have joy because we have a Savior. We can have joy because we have Christ. And finally, we can have joy because we have the Lord. Not just a companion. Not just a buddy. You have a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now having Jesus as your Lord does mean... You submit to Him as Lord. You'll do what He says. You'll follow His Word. But it also means you have someone to, to, to tell you which way to go in life. You have someone watching out for you, taking care of you. Someone to tell you, hey, watch out for this. Don't go down that path. Here's what you need to concentrate on. Someone who's in your court. Someone who will direct you in the way that you should go. Someone who will protect you as you go that way. Someone who will welcome you into heaven when you have finished this course. If He truly is your Lord. And one final thing. This joy was present on this day. Again, verse 11. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. This day. Now we might think, well, I'll be happy one day. I'll be happy when my next paycheck comes in or I'll be happy and joyful when I see what I get for Christmas or I'll be happy when I get through this present trial I'm under that then I'll be joyful. Listen, I hate to break it to you, especially on Christmas Eve. After you come out of the trial you're now in, there's going to be another one waiting for you eventually. <laughs> Maybe sooner rather than later. Someone put it this way, a Christian is one who is completely fearless continually cheerful, and constantly in trouble. I mean, that, that tells me that something is always going to be going on in our lives, always. And if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know this to be true. And if you're not going through some kind of difficulty or trial, either you're not breathing or you're in major denial. We all have problems in life. So don't feel like you're the exception. Rejoice anyway. You say, well, I'll rejoice when this trial is finally over. No, rejoice when you're in the midst of the trial. In fact, we're commanded to do so. Philippians 4.4, 4, Apostle Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. It's a command in the original language. By the way, Paul penned those words when he did. He was not sitting in some ivory tower spinning off theories. These are words written from a man who was going through some severe hardships. A man who really had a lot to potentially worry about. When Paul wrote those words circumstantially, he had nothing to rejoice about. He wanted to go to Rome to preach, but instead he was there as a prisoner. Now as a, a man in prison, he's awaiting his fate as his case was coming up shortly. He might be acquitted. He might be beheaded. There were some that turned against him. But in the midst of those bleak circumstances, Paul says, I have a message for you. Lighten up. Rejoice in the Lord always. In other words, if anyone has a reason to be depressed, it's me. But I'm not depressed, and you don't have to be either. Why? Because you have a Savior, you have a Christ, you have the Lord. 
That, that is all anyone needs to have a joyful Christmas. Maybe some of you are not having a joyful Christmas this year. You're not happy right now. Like pretty depressed, maybe even more so than normal. Could that be because you need a Savior? You need Christ? You need to have a Lord? C.S. Lewis made this statement years ago. God designed the human machine to run on Himself. He Himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn, the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it is no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about faith. God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from Himself because it's not there. There is no such thing. Listen, here's the thing that we need to realize and then we'll close. Our great hope and joy is not found in Christmas. It's found in Christ alone. Christmas cannot deliver on its promises. We get, you know, so built up in our minds as though Christmas is going to be like the second coming or something. Listen, Christmas cannot bring harmony to your home. Christmas cannot bring peace on earth. Christmas cannot bring happiness. But Christ can do all that and more. And when you get down to it, that's what we are longing for deep inside. Not Christmas, but Christ. Not merriment, but the Messiah. Not goodwill, but God. And you need to know Christ. He is the answer. The same Jesus that was born in the manger, who lived the perfect life, never sinned once, voluntarily went to the cross, died there for the sins of the world, and rose again from the dead three days later. He is alive. I mean, you want to talk about a Christmas tree. It's not the gift under the tree. It's the gift on the tree. The Bible says, Cursed is every man that hangs on a tree. Jesus hung there for you. He hung there for me some 2,000 years ago. And He offers you a gift, a gift of eternal life. If you've not received this gift, Maybe this is your second notice to receive this gift. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, to be the Lord and the Savior of your life, you've never asked your sin to be forgiven. Let me tell you, if you were to die today, you're going to die in your sins and your trespasses, and you'll be separated from God for all eternity. Why not make the decision this evening to follow Christ, to let Him be your Savior, your Christ, and your Lord? If that's your desire, I want to give you that opportunity right now before we close. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the joy that we have, knowing our sin has been forgiven, that we've been born again, that we have eternity to spend with you. And while we wait, we have our Savior, our Christ, our Lord, to lead us and guide us each step of the way. Lord, so much to rejoice in all that you've done for us. God, you became man. And died on the cross so that we can have life and be forgiven. You took upon our sin so that we can have your righteousness. I thank you, Lord, for our salvation. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here right now who's never surrendered their heart and life to you. Lord, to have a Lord of your life, we have to, it means surrender. And maybe there's some that, that have been living their lives for themselves, living their, their life to please themselves. And it's a dead-end street. Lord, you're offering them this this evening the greatest gift of all, the gift of forgiveness, forgiveness of sin. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that has not made that commitment to you, that they would do so this evening. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, Christians are praying. Is there anyone here? Do you want to give your life to Christ this evening? You want to know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior and your King? 
If that's your desire, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you this morning, this evening, rather? Anybody at all? Just an invitation to receive the gift of salvation if you've not done it. Lift up your hand. Father, we rejoice in who you are. Jesus, thank you for coming, dying on the cross for our sins, rising again from the dead. Holy Spirit, thank you for encouraging our hearts, speaking to our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would give each and every person here the most blessed Christmas we've had in a long time. Lord, that our focus would be on you and the greatest gift that you've given to us, our salvation. We praise you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.